0: other ministry leaders you've come to the right place welcome back to the ministry growth show today on the show i'm going to be joined by david and cynthia heaton Uh, david's the founder and executive director of cornerstone ranch and cynthia serves as a director of operations guys thanks so much for being on the show
1: thanks for having us glad to be here
0: Can you tell us a little bit about Cornerstone Ranch, what you guys do, um, what the ministry is
2: all about? Yeah, for sure. Cornerstone is a a home-in-a-day program for adults with special needs. So that's things like Down syndrome, autism, cerebral palsy. And it kind of answers this big question of what happens when people with special needs graduate from high school. And unfortunately, there's not a lot for them. Um, And then the, the eventual question becomes... What are parents going to do as they age and they can't care for their uh, adult children with special needs? Where do they go? What do they do? And we kind of felt like that um, was an issue and, and felt like people with special needs weren't living the abundant life that God created them for. And so we started Cornerstone. And so we are on 42 acres in McKinney, Texas. And we have oh, cool. a home, uh for adults with special needs that live there 24 seven. We provide care. And then we have a day program as well on property in an activity center and about 42 people with special needs come throughout the week and they do therapeutic art class ceramics workshop. We have a giant organic garden. We go out and serve, serve in the community. Um, So yeah, just a a great program helping people with special needs, understand that they are created in God's image and can be valuable members of the kingdom.
0: Awesome. So that's a, bit of a unique ministry, how'd you guys get started in that and um, maybe if you can share some of the things that you're particularly excited about about what God is doing through Cornerstone?
2: Yeah, we can kind of walk you through the the story. It is very much a story of God's faithfulness um, and I think like like most good stories it starts with a girl. Um, so we were freshmen in college and and I saw Cynthia walking down the hall. And she was wearing a Young Life shirt. And I, I came to Christ through Young Life when I was in high school. And so I said, hey, I, I did Young Life. And she said, well, I'm going to Young Life thing right now. Do you want to come? And I thought, she's cute. Sure, I'll go. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, well, it's not typical, you know, Young Life ministry. It's for, for kids with special needs. And I thought, she's still cute. I'll still go. And, uh, we walked into this room and we just get rushed by about 30, uh, teenagers with special needs and neither of us have family members with, with disabilities at all. And so this was very new and different for us. And it was a little intimidating and also very beautiful at the same time. And God, uh, just did a work in our hearts that day. Um, we were, again, just freshmen in college and God kind of opened our hearts to the, the whole special needs world. And we just very quickly understood that they need to understand God's love for them, that, that, that a whole lot of them can have a, a saving understanding of Christ's sacrifice for them. Mm. Um, so our, our college experience was very much, you know, how can we hang out with our friends with special needs? Not so much like frat parties or trips to the beach. But how can we get kids to go to camp with us? And who can we take to the movies this weekend? Um, But kind of during that time, we understood those things that I talked about previously of understanding like what happens to them after high school, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the vast majority of people with special needs when they graduate high school, there's really nothing for them. So, you know, Mm. we see the 1% that's maybe bagging groceries at the supermarket, but 99% of everyone else with a disability is kind of sitting on a couch being babysat by the television. And then when their parents can't care for them anymore, they get thrown into a state system, um, Mm. that, that has, um, not, not great care. There's a, there's a few good state funded homes out there, but for the most part, um, they aren't, they aren't very safe. So we just felt like God was calling us to, to do something more. And so, um, we got married in between our junior and senior year in college and, um, and so, right when we graduated, we took in three of uh, our young life kids. They were uh, just a couple oh, years wow. younger than us, so we were twenty-one and instantaneous parents of three. Um, and it was great. It was it was a little messy, um, like like acts of God often are in human form <laughs> as we, as we try to delve into to our callings. Um, but but it was great. We loved it. Uh, went on full-time staff uh, with, with In Life doing disability ministry and brought these three guys into our home. And it was, it was amazing. We loved it, um, but soon realized, hey, it wasn't just these three that were kind of from uh, rough home situations um, that led them to us. But it was really, uh, you know, everyone with special needs, you know, kind of went across socioeconomic lines uh, that, that yeah. everyone was dealing with this what happens now um, after their, their children graduated high school. So we uh, did a lot of praying and, um, and we bought 42 acres, um, just kind of on a, a outside rural edge of, a, of the Dallas area and okay. built this home. And, and that kind of started our, our whole journey for full-time Cornerstone where it is now. Well, it's already, uh, such a unique ministry
0: and, uh, you guys are working in a space that's such an under, underserved part of ministry, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the special needs community is so underserved. I don't know much about that space, but from what I've heard, it's just incredibly underserved. And so you have that uniqueness about this ministry, but then also to have you guys who don't have some type of um, upbringing or family history that had a special needs background, that me- seems to make it even more unique. like. In most cases, it seems like that I've run into people get into this community or this serving this need because, oh, uh, you know, I have special needs background with my family or a, a sister or a brother or whatever it is, and so um, that's just really cool to see you guys, God working in your hearts early on and saying, "This is what I have for you," and being obedient to that, even though your
2: experience didn't
0: um, play into that at all.
2: Yeah. You know, I think God was very gracious in the fact that he brought us both together at the same time. You know, it's not, so it wasn't my particular calling that I kind of drug her along or, or right. her thing because she had a brother or something and, and I had to kind of join in unwillingly, but God was very gracious in that. Um, he kind of opened our hearts to this simultaneously together.
1: Yeah. And mm. I think that, you know, just seeing God's hand in all of it has been really motivating for us, I think, in ministry, because I think it's kind of a little, again, off topic, but being married in ministry can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um But, you know, knowing that God had orchestrated this, like he placed us in that yeah. to, you know, come together to do this ministry. Um And something that David didn't really touch on, like one of the really neat ways that God kind of began to Formulate this dream inside of us was um, we were traveling to a conference in college, um, this worship conference, and we were driving past all of these fields. and um, And at this point, we'd already been doing the young life ministry with people with special needs for a couple of years, um, okay. and so we kind of knew that there was this need. Um, but God just really like miraculously gave us this like vision at the same time to mm. um, do something like really bold and crazy, you know, for this community. And so as we're driving, we both just get dropped this vision inside of our hearts too. And I think, I don't know who said it, but one of us just like, we were silent for like 10 minutes. And then somebody said, what if we did something? What if we, you know, built a community for people with special needs where they could be empowered to live the abundant life that they were created for? And so mm-hmm. we began just like, in that moment, like writing down what the volunteer program could look like and how, you know, how we would just build this community. And so God just dropped that in our hearts. And so, you know, what, one of the questions that you asked is like, what are we excited for? You know, and, you know, cause we see God working in amazing ways right now mm-hmm. at Cornerstone. Um, but the vision that God has given us for Cornerstone goes far beyond what we're doing now. It is a it is a Christ-centered community for adults with special needs where they can Mm. truly be, um, you know, equipped and empowered and co-labor, you know, with us in their callings, like drawing out those gifts and callings that they have to, for them to impact the community um, alongside us. And so, you know, we're excited because we're in the beginning stages of um, expansion. And so we right now currently have one home, um, but we are, actively working towards that vision that God gave us to have multiple homes and activity mm. center and, you know, all the different Rec center yes. and chapel <laughs> and
2: therapeutic greenhouses, you know, for gardening program. And so, yeah, we're, we're, um, you know, we're a step into a big vision,
0: man. That's awesome. Cool. Good for you guys. Um, you talked about earlier that stepping into ministry is usually, a messy process, right? And so, uh, can you guys share some of maybe the unique challenges and struggles that you'd have you'd ha- you've had to deal with um, as you've started the ministry and as it's grown? And um, what are the some of the things that you've run into as as you've built this vision and idea that the Lord gave you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think some of them are uh, unique to Cornerstone, and then some are, are probably things that that everyone out there experiences that are that are common to to ministries around. I think unique to Cornerstone is um, is trying to just help people understand um, the, the the special needs world. Um, I, I think a lot of um, I think a lot of pastors and and a lot of people doing ministry in general, or just the the church overall, maybe doesn't realize kind of the situation. And I think, unfortunately uh, the church has abdicated its role to the government and said, well, mm. taxpayers cover that. D- don't, don't our taxes go towards this and they provide homes and I don't have to worry about it because the government does it. And, the, and yeah. I mean,
1: Realizing that that's such a desperate need. You yeah. know, it's unknown like that people with special needs have this looming future unless. The church or someone mm. steps in to provide the care that they desperately yeah. need.
2: Most people say most demographers look at about like three to 4% of, of any given population uh, is not going to be able to live independently because of a developmental disability. Um, so you can take that, that three or 4% of the community that you're living in right now and apply that and and just see, man, that's, that's Mm. a lot of beds. That's a lot of housing that, that all these communities need to provide. And so, so yeah, I think that's
0: that's pretty consistent across country and culture and
2: it's just, wow. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, there, there there's some certain disabilities that, that maybe impact, um, uh, different cultures and uh, again, socioeconomic backgrounds, but yeah. a vast majority of them don't. Um, it's, it's pretty broad. So, so I think education and, and having the church uh, understand that. Um, so just the, the volume of the need um, mm-hmm. and then that there isn't anyone else providing that need that there is, is no, you know, big day government that's just going to take care of all this for us, but that it really is the role of the church uh, to mm. step up. So I think that's, that's something that's maybe a little unique and common. Um, and then I, I think as well, um, just getting to the point, uh, helping others understand that that we want to get to the point where we view our friends with special needs as co-laborers, um, mm. you know, with Christ in this, um, or for Christ in this, uh, rather than just some people that should be pitied and we pat them on the head and we send them on yeah. their way. Um, so, so I think that's you know an, an education piece as well that we try to talk to people about uh, when we share stories that were that we're trying to help them understand that that they that we can view our friends uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ um, not just someone that that should be pitied um, and
1: they're uniquely gifted you know for ministry like they themselves and I, I mean we we like to move people along what we call like the five stages of going from that place of just pity to co-laboring um, and I think everyone kind of falls somewhere in between um, but that, that's really important um, and then David was talking about how there are things that are kind of common to all ministries um, and so one that we really um, just like operationally and um, functioning doing 24-7 care it's really easy to burn out um, mm. and so it is a, it's one of our challenges is how do we care for our staff well so that they can continue um, to pro- provide the abundant life um, that our friends were created for, um, and then the other challenge is um, just like living in community. I think human beings are a challenge in of themselves. Learning um, yeah. to really um, be graceful towards one another. And Even within uh,
0: family. <laughs>
1: yeah, within family. And I think that that's a challenge um, within ministry. I think we're kind of held to a higher standard because we really want to represent, you know, God's kingdom on the earth and to shine mm-hmm. the light of, you know, his truth. And so working, you know, in unity and like really considering our the staff at Cornerstone Ranch, like we're the body of Christ. And so to daily take up, you know, the cross of what we've been called to in ministry, but to do that with grace and humility and compassion towards one another. And because we just feel like that's part of the abundant life is living with those kingdom realities of, um, you know, kindness and love and compassion and mm-hmm. care towards one another is really important, but it can be challenging because it's yeah. stressful.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, all our staff uh, nail it when it comes to self-sacrifice and compassion towards our friends with special needs. Um, but sometimes it's it's harder to do that um, with your neurotypical coworkers. <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah,
0: interesting. You guys <laughs> talked about the the idea of moving your audience's perception of people with special needs from this idea of that they're they're people to be pitied to co-laborers. Um, what are you guys doing? What have you done? What have you found successful in educating that audience to, to have that shift in mindset?
2: Yeah, I think our art program speaks to that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we do an art show every year in which a, a bunch of people from the community come out and see, um, our friends artwork and, and it's amazing and it's, it's great work. And and so I think that's one thing that opens people's eyes they are like, okay, they, they, yeah. they have some talent here. They, they have yeah. some good things they, you know, uh, you know, Laura might have a little slurred speech and be hard to understand. Um, but she has an understanding of perspective and mm-hmm. art and beauty, um, that, that is far beyond my own. Um, So things like that.
1: um... I think like getting people to Cornerstone, Mm -hmm. getting, you know, the community in front of people with special needs, kind of taking down those barriers uh, that we have, you know, maybe it's fear, it's ignorance, whatever. We we don't, if you're not around people with special needs, you're going to have a lot of different perceptions that most likely aren't true. And so to really kind of bring that barrier down by getting people connected to Cornerstone, getting out to the ranch. And then also the other part of that is taking our, we call them ranchers at Cornerstone. All of our participants that come to our uh, program, we call them ranchers. <laughs> so getting our ranchers into the community is also very important. And so one of like the big pillars of um, our operations is um, really serving the community, our friends serving the community. And so we... Participate in Meals on Wheels. Um, in the past, we have gone to churches and fold bulletins, but anything that we can do, and we we partner with other nonprofits um, to get our friends with special needs into the community, serving others. Because again, that that moves that perspective and shifts people to really come to understand that they are created with the capacity and the ability to not only be creative and you know, understand art, but to also serve others just as, you know, we're called to serve. Our friends are also called to serve others.
2: And I think, I think when, when people see, Oh, they're, they're serving more than I do. Um, yeah. it kind of flips the the idea on its head of like, Oh, we need to serve them. Mm-hmm. But then instead we say, no, we're going to go out and serve. Like they have gifts, they have talents. They might work a little slower in some things. We might not be able to do some certain things that others do but we're not just going to sit back and be on the receiving end of service, but we're going to go out and and make an impact on our community. And I think when people see that and they interact with it, Mm -hmm. it does help them understand better. Um, Uh, Yeah. And I think that speaks to to a lot of different types of ministries of of people that might hear this one day of if you're doing, you know, ministry with homeless, if you're if you're working with different groups that people do typically just jump to some certain conclusion or a very um, thin embodiment of what that person looks like or their experience. Um, I I would just encourage people to get face to face interaction as much as possible Um, because no one tells that better than the actual people that need to break um, some of those stereotypes themselves. So um, yeah, getting, getting interactions, huge. Mm.
0: Man, that's awesome. Thank you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to shift a little bit. One of the topics that we discussed offline was this idea of calling. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what advice you guys would give people who are trying to discern their calling obviously, sounds like early on there was an obvious call placed on your guys' hearts. And so um, you've had some clear experience with this. And so what would you say to that?
2: Yeah, I I want to try to have a balanced response to this um, because there's different types of people out there that are going to maybe lean one way or the other uh, maybe a little bit too much. Um, In some sense, um, I feel like if if people – think they're being called to something, then, then I say, be bold and go. Um, The big thing I would encourage is just being faithful in the small things rather than, um, you know, feeling, Hey, I have to go, you know, talk to a lawyer and get my 501c3 nonprofit set up. Um, You know, what can you start with today? What can you start with tomorrow and this weekend? Um, and how can you be faithful to what God's laying on your heart that way? Um, cause may, he might be calling you to something, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're called to start a full organization, um, to do right. that. Maybe it's actually more effective, uh, to do it just in, in your life naturally, uh, than to start a whole separate entity or to duplicate an already existing entity. Um, yeah. maybe it's better to engage in, and help an existing entity, um, so so, in some ways I, I, I say, "Go, do um, and encourage people to be bold if they're they're feeling called to something um, but yet there is um, uh, you know some sense of um, a need to stop and listen a little bit you know and, mm. and confirm that this calling aligns with the word of God aligns with what you feel the spirit is is speaking to you so being able to to have some quiet space in your life to to really listen. Um, to the direction of the Holy Spirit, but then to, to wise counsel and mentors. You know, when, when we first kind of had this vision, uh, we, were, we were ready to go full bore right away. And, um, and a, a wise counselor said, well, what if you just did it in your own home first? What if you brought these three guys rather than going and building a separate home and doing all that right off the bat? What if you brought these three guys into your home first and understood what a future home would even need to look like before you go try to build it? Um, You know, what if you go around and visit, you know, all around the state, all around the country, visit other programs uh, that are doing this. So, um, so yes, go and be bold and do, but at the same time, slow down and listen um, to, to wise counsel to, to see what other people have done, how they've had success, how they've failed. We host people from all around the country every year. Come out to Cornerstone uh, to to try to replicate and, and see what they can, how they can do something like that. And We really appreciate being able to tell them, "Hey, we've had 16 years of triumphs and failures, um, and, and here they all are." Um, and we help write them down and, and help people think through um, some of the pitfalls that that might happen. So, I, I think finding other other folks that have done what you are feeling called to do. Is is really really important. Um, yeah. Hmm. Now,
0: man, that f- making space to or creating space to be quiet and listen and spend time just sitting with the Lord without the distractions of the world. I I have <clears throat> seen firsthand the the value in that, but also recognize how difficult that is in. This, especially with the ministry world where we all tend to want to, like there's a lot of burnout, right? We've talked about that already. Um, pastors burning out all over the place, executive directors burning out. Um, and so we have this, especially maybe in the West, this propensity towards doing and doing and doing and striving and being driven and the stepping aside and creating space to be quiet with the Lord and Seek him and sit with him and listen to what he might be saying, where he might be leading. That's a hard thing for us yeah. to do to set a time, that time and space. And so, I've I've seen both sides of it. Like I've seen the value of it. I've done that, but then also actually going out and making that a, a normal practice is a struggle and a difficulty. And I think that that is consistent across a lot of ministry directors and leaders that I've um, talked with and met. So, what are some things that you guys have done that have um, that you could share with other ministry leaders that um, like setting a time sp- space and, and time to go and sit with the Lord and listen and be quiet um, that you might be able to add value to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just want to just highlight again, like how important that is. I mean, God mm. created, you know, our weekly cycle with a day of rest, you know, like mm. it's how God kind of patterns that for us. And I think that, it's important that we follow that pattern because burnout is, it's going to happen. We experienced that after five years of doing Cornerstone Ranch, living full time, you know, before we had a team, the team that we have now, it was just David and I. And we're so providing
2: 20% care 20%. while running the nonprofit, yeah. while trying to raise money, while doing, doing all the
1: accounting, do I mean, and
2: having
1: <laughs> children that were, you know, we had three kids along the way. And so it was very difficult. And, um, not taking that time to really f- have that Sabbath rest mm-hmm. um, and, and be intentional with our time with the Lord, we began. I mean, I think for us, it even caused like some confusion is like Cornerstone became like this idol or this idea of like, if I'm not doing this well, am I, really serving god you know it was just
2: very confusing yeah. i think i i um there's a there's a great shane and shane song yeah. uh that says when serving you replaced me knowing you yeah and and that uh, was highly highly convicting to us when <laughs> serving this this cause replaced us knowing and and in some weird twisted way became an idol whereas however Cornerstone was going was somehow uh, equivalent to my relationship with God. And mm. um, so, yeah, so, so it's important.
1: And so, yeah, what did we have to do? We had to like completely step away. We took, um, so we were like, okay, we've got to hire someone to come in here. We had some staff that were with us from the beginning that kind of took our position like in the main house and cause we lived full time on property. And um, so we took some time away and, literally had to remove ourselves from the ministry, just remain on the board to make sure the mission, you know, was there and it didn't completely stop. Um, but then we took a full year. Like we were thankfully Mm -hmm. able to do this, but we took a full year of the sabbatical year where we, um, just rested and got to know each other again and got to know the Lord again. Um, and then our, our role at Cornerstone kind of shifted and changed. We were on the board, um, at that time. And that kind of was our role for the next five or six years. And then, um, four or five years ago, we've stepped back and operationally and now are in the kind of the roles we are now, but God had to really do, um, you know, a work in our hearts and kind of equip us for this next season and this next phase of ministry. Um, but it was during that time that we really, kind of understood the importance of abiding. And as you were even saying that a second ago, like John 15 just kept coming, you know, in my Mm -hmm. head of what Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches like abide in me because apart from me, you can do nothing. You're not going to bear any fruit. And so Mm -hmm. like, again, we cannot, stress enough, the importance of making that time, setting aside every week, you know, setting time aside to, to care for your marriage. And that one thing that we were told early on, or at least I don't know if you remember this, but it's like your ministry is only as effective as your marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. and like how to like really protect and guard and keep, um, this relationship because in biblical understanding, like this is the relationship that best reflects the image of God, um, to yeah. others. And so we've really got to protect that.
2: Um, and I would say that that's important in board recruitment, elder recruitment, it, that they understand that. Um, I, I think if you're if your board or your elder crew doesn't understand that, then then there needs to be some work and education and um, helping them. Yeah, understand that that you you will burn out and you'll be gone, um, and and your organization, your ministry will suffer for it. Um, if If they aren't on board and they aren't willing to support that
1: and I think from mm. us um you know because of our experience with burnout, like it really better equipped us to be able to care for our staff and so how do yeah. we implement you know what we've learned um, into caring for our staff because that's really one of our top priorities, like yes, we are called to. Like our mission is to empower adults with special needs to live the abundant life they were created for. But if our staff isn't experiencing that abundant life, how can we expect them to be able to pour that into our ranchers that we serve? And so it is like one of our mm. highest priorities as an organization to um, provide abundant life for our staff. And so we do that, I think, um kind of practically on an organization side of having really clear expectations um, and really clear job descriptions. And um, then also just providing like all of the um, HR, you know, things like everything's in order, There's structure, there's strategy, there's positions, there's roles. Um, but then on the other side of that, then we are pouring into them spiritually. We are providing them with plenty of paid time off. We are giving them great benefits, you know, health benefits. Like we are taking care of their physical needs and their spiritual needs um, and making sure they're having time and understand the priorities of family and that, you know, there, we, there's no need to just like really um, lay your life down to the point where you don't have a life, you know, <laughs> like if you understand, like, you have to take care of yourself. And so it's a priority for us.
2: Yeah. We just, I mean, God has asked them to lay their life down, mm-hmm. not so the organization can trample on
1: them. Yeah. God has asked yeah. them to lay
2: their life down <laughs> in an act of service for their friends. Yeah. Um, not so uh, an organization can take advantage of mm-hmm. their willingness to receive low pay or not have <laughs> structure or something like that. I know it seems sterile to talk about HR mm-hmm. in, in the context of ministry, but it's so important if, if they understand, um, that they understand, you know, how the organization works, who do I go to when I have an issue with this or that, um, yeah. how do I advance in an organization? How does my pay scale work and will it ever change and how would it change? And, and so those are all our basic kind of HR things that, um, that are really necessary so that people can focus on their ministry rather than worrying about the chaos of an organization.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's sterile at all to talk about those things. In fact, I think it's something that is not addressed enough within the ministry world. And so um yeah, I just wanna thank you guys for being so transparent about that those early years as you realize, man, this is uh not gonna end well if we continue at this pace. So um thank you guys for being transparent. Uh I wanna shift a little bit one more time, um but um before we end, but it, In your experience, uh, what does it take to start a ministry from scratch, particularly one like Cornerstone that's so unique?
1: Yeah, I think um, the major thing is faith and obedience. You know, if God's calling you to something, um, to continually go back to um, that truth and to not depart from that. You know, I think – you look at biblical examples, like God calls us to faith. He calls us to obedience. And sometimes we don't know the full picture of what lies before us, um, but we're called to move in faith because God's trustworthy. He, I mean, and that's where we keep our focus. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. God is faithful and we can walk in his faithfulness as we, you know, step out in obedience. Um, but I think like practical things.
2: Yeah, um, I think a support system in yeah. place. And so. I think there's, there's organizational support that comes again through a board of directors or an elder board or deacons. But, but I think even personal support that goes beyond that, um, of just knowing that you, whether it be family or close friends, um, that really are going to be there for you. Um, those, those wise counselors that are going to be there for you personally, as well as organizationally, Mm -hmm. um, is, is vital, um, because what may start as something you feel like you can handle on your own. Um, I think typically the way God works is, is it doesn't always remain that way. And it's a, it is a quote unquote God sized vision, you know, something that's bigger than you can do in your own power. Um, so having a a strong support network, um, around you and and a humility and willingness to, um, to listen to them and to take advice and, um, yeah, to, to be humble throughout the, the process is, is important for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I was thinking as he was talking, like that perfect balance of boldness and humility, of like stepping out with bold faith, but also being humble enough to know that like David said, you're not gonna be able to do this on your own. Like if this is a God calling and a God vision, then um yes, he's equipped you and he's called you, but mm it's his, it belongs to him. And so like just that humility of having open hands and being willing to pivot or transition or, or or move how he he calls you. And I, I, one thing that I also learned early on was that like, when we started, I was like, we're going to live at Cornerstone Ranch forever. You know, we built the house, like with our kids in mind that Mm -hmm. we're going to be here. and, And then, you know, like I said earlier, like five years in, we're like, we're burnt out. We need a. this isn't how it's going to be. And, and God, um, you know, at that point was showing me that he's working in seasons and really? that we shouldn't hold too tightly to things, um, you know, with our hands open, trusting in the process, trusting in um, just his timing for everything, yeah. you know, like David's very visionary, like he sees it. And, you know, sometimes when you're so visionary, you want it to happen right away. But you know the a lot of times it's it's a journey and um, you're having to to overcome challenges you're having to learn you're having to to have that own personal growth along the way mm-hmm. um, and so just trusting that God's faithful yeah. in the timing I'm taking a
2: I think taking a stewardship mindset of yeah. of hey God this is an amazing ministry you're building here if you have someone else that you want to run this show them to me bring them yeah. <laughs> You know, um, replace me whenever you want. I'm, I'm a steward of what you're doing here and, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. if there's someone that's more equipped or better skilled in these certain areas, uh, for these, for different aspects of the ministry, um, then I'm, I'm willing to, to move on to whatever you want me to do. Um, so I think, thinking when we see ourselves as stewards, uh, rather than, than founders or,
1: right. or. Owners and we're the ones
2: responsible for everything. Um, mm. uh, we start to edge God out of the picture a little bit. And okay. then I
1: also would say like another thing that's always been super motivating for me um, when things are hard and when they're challenging is to just have a kingdom mindset. Um, you know, yes, I mean, it belongs to God. It's for God. Um, but even like, and I think this goes for everything that you do in your life, whatever ministry God's called you, whether it's just in your workplace or you're starting, you know, a nonprofit feeding homeless, whatever it is, is that it is all about God's glory in advancing his kingdom. So when yeah. everything that you do rolls up to that foundational truth, then it's motivation um, to work through and press through whatever problem, you know, that you might be facing. Mm.
0: Now, you, you guys mentioned at the beginning you were with Young Life or or Youth for Christ. Young
2: Life, Young Life for a few Young
0: years. Life. Okay, so as you started this ministry, did you were you able to come along in partnership with them to help and have them help you get this thing kicked off the ground, or was it a new thing altogether? What did that yeah, mean?
2: it was a new thing, completely separate. Um, you know, Young Life does an amazing job, but they are definitely focused on teens and, and teenagers. Right. And we were kind of working with folks as they were moving out of that phase into adulthood. And um, so it was just a, a different mission.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. Um, have you guys found it difficult to fundraise in this space, like this already unique ministry, on top of the fact that you're working in an underserved space? There's not a lot of, um, the, you've got those skewed or or misrepresented perceptions um, that we talked about earlier. Is fundraising difficult?
2: Fundraising, um, I think it was more difficult definitely early on. Um, you know, again, yeah, like you said, people don't understand necessarily the need, um, but then also... Uh, there's a lot of funds to raise um, mm-hmm. when you have really low staff to participant ratios, and that's what we need. You know, some ministries, you can have, you know, uh, one staff person to to 20 or 30 or however many people yeah. you are serving, but for the special needs world, some of our folks need a one-to-one. Uh, wow. some, some of our folks need someone standing right by them all day long because they might have a seizure and fall and hit the ground. So there has to be someone right there all the time, um, and some are, you know, more of a to three ratio, one to five ratio. So there's a lot of staff, which, uh, you know, is our bi- biggest expense. And so there's, there is a lot of money to raise the, the issue. I think in um, with foundations and certain traditional funding mechanisms is that our numbers, you know, uh, aren't as high, you know, they can think, well, I can give a few thousand dollars here and I'm going to serve a, it'll be a school lunch program. That's going to serve mm-hmm. thousands, which is good and great and necessary. More um, you can give a thousand or two thousand or whatever to cornerstone, and it's only going to serve a smaller number of people so yeah um, I think that was it was difficult at first until people understood again like the 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 intensity of the care that we provide and the staff ratios to make that happen in a safe manner and And I think the way around that has been telling stories um and, mm. and storytelling is is really all we do now. And, and I think it's important for ministries to focus on not so much their own story. Um, I've I found that our donors, they, they don't care as much about our organization or our organizational goals. And, and I've had very, very few people over the years ask, of, you know, to look at our finances or anything. They mm-hmm. want to know the stories of impact. People give to impact and urgency. Um, and, and that's about it, um, you know, Yeah. Um, and so, you know, our, our people have amazing stories and God is transforming their lives in very tangible ways. And so if we can tell those stories verbally, if we can share those stories by having our friends with special needs, uh, have, you know, face-to-face contact and then, you know, video is a great thing as well. Mm-hmm. If we can share those stories with people, uh, then they just, they get it. You know, they, they see it and, and what, you know, somebody might not have been comfortable before, or might again, again, go back to the pity idea, Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, something that might've been a, well, I feel sorry for this whole thing. I'll, I'll throw a couple thousand dollars your way. All of a sudden becomes someone who wants to give 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars because they've gotten into the story and see the the great need.
0: Yeah, man. You're speaking my language now. Awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. That's good to see that you guys are doing that. Um, and that was going to transition into one of my next questions as far as like, how do you communicate to your donor base and, and what are you doing um, specifically in that fundraising space? Can you share, we'll just skip down to that next question because you kind of answered some of those earlier ones, but what are some of the ways um, you've seen story and storytelling have a positive impact in your ministry and fundraising? And can you share maybe a story or two that you've um seeing God work to transform real life that you've shared with your audience that has resulted in them saying, Hey, I see the need. I see the value in what you guys are doing. We want to be a part of, of that, whether it's financially or through volunteer work or, or, or otherwise.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we've had a lot of great successes and, and those speak well, but we've had some hard times and we've had some tragedy, um, with some of our our participants and their, their families. And, Mm. and I think that has, um, resonated, you know, we have a young lady that, that lost her mom and, you know, she has special needs and her mom had passed away and her dad wasn't Mm. really set up to care for her. Well, they'd been divorced for a long time. Um, and so, you know, when her mom came to us and said, Hey, I have the stage four cancer diagnosis and, and I, I don't know where my daughter is going to go. Um, and we were able to say, hey, we've got her,
0: you know, it's okay.
2: Mm. And she was able to, to pass away. Cynthia was, was there the, the day before, um, you know, and some of her last words were, I'm so glad, you know, my daughter has a place. Mm. Um, and so to, to be able to share that with people, and, and I think it, people, particularly mothers, just resonate so much. Um, with under, you know, that idea of, hey, I, w- I want my kids to know that they're, you know, I'd want to know that my kids are safe. Yeah. Um, so I want to support this organization that's helping, that helps this mom know that her, you know, kid was safe. So I think, um, you know, we, we like to think that everything we're doing is so unique and so specific. Um, but God has all wired us with some, um, some very basic compassionate uh, motivations and, and I think there's different ways in which all our ministries no matter how unique they may seem all come back to some of these foundational systems God has placed in all of us um, and so if we can tell the stories particularly not to manipulate but because they're true right. in life um, if we can tell those stories that resonate um, you know, it, you know telling someone about how art class helps Uh, Hold a paintbrush, which also helps hold a fork, which helps one of our young guys feed himself. That's really cool. But it doesn't always resonate with everyone. um, Right. Because it doesn't go it's, it's functional and it's practical and it's important. Um, but as it doesn't get to that core level of understanding of humanity, I was, I was an English teacher for a while. So, you know, we ask an English class, all these questions of, of what does it mean to be human (laughs) and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what is, what is our purpose on earth? And, and I think, um, really that's what it comes down to is, is helping, um, our donors and our supporters, um, understand how we're answering those questions with, with our participants. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, I think that's about all the time we have. Can I pray for you guys in your ministry? That'd be great. All right. Father, I just uh, I lift up David and Cynthia uh, and Cornerstone Ranch. I thank you so much for all that you are obviously doing through these two and their obedience to you and their amazing ministry. Lord, you've given them an um, incredible vision and dream. And uh, as they continue to dream and cast vision and, and build towards a future, um, of what could be, I pray that you would guide and lead them, that they would make sure that they're taking that time to step aside and be silent and hear your voice and follow, um, your leading and your direction. Uh, thank you so much that we get to be a part of what you're doing, that you've invited us into this redemptive story and in all the unique and amazing ways, father. And so uh yeah thank you for all you've done through Cornerstone Ranch and David and Cynthia and uh we just uh I pray that this this episode would um be of, of value to ministry leaders that they would see that um that the insights and expertise and experience that David and Cynthia have um would just uh encourage somebody um shine light on something that that maybe a ministry leader out there is struggling with or or feeling burnt out um, that they would hear this and be encouraged Lord we love you and thank you so much for all you're doing in Jesus name amen 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 all right guys thanks so much for being on the show we really appreciate it and uh, yeah we'll be in touch um, if people want to get a hold of you or yeah. learn more about Cornerstone Ranch how can they do that?
2: Yeah, just the, the website's the best way. Um, it's cornerstone-ranch.com. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank,
0: Thank you. you so much. Thank you for listening to
2: this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at ReliantCreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in our process. Check out Reliant Creative at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.